0: Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Inside Podcast. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusively your partner of the CLMS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. I'm here to testify. I'm with Dr. Justin Quinn. We're two games into the first round of the NBA playoffs. Boston is up two games over Atlanta. And to break it down and talk about what comes next, we welcome in. Welcome back, Max Letterman of NBC Sports Boston. Max, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, guys. Feeling good. Nice, easy two games here so far. Living the life
0: a little too easy yeah don't <laughs> don't pause the podcast we'll make it interesting but um i think there's a little bit of sleepwalking going on i just want to say off the jump for the allergy community the spring allergy community you're seen you're felt you're understood you're not alone um i read online that this is the highest pollen count in the northeast since 2010 so um complain all you need because it's just as bad as you feel like it is okay <clears throat> max we'll start with a li- oh and apologies for the coughing i'm part of that allergy community um, Max, we'll start with a little bit of news. There's some, uh, there's some stuff about voting on awards and some CBA stuff. And then in our lab portion of the programming, as we like to call it, we will talk about the series itself. So let's start with, um, I mean, guess the obvious, we're just up two games to know nothing Boston is, um, we kind of teased that we think it's a cakewalk, but, um, it really does look like Boston might have the easiest shake in the playoffs and maybe we'll go around the horn later on that. Uh, That being said, there's some other stuff to get to. Malcolm Brogdon, we will find out on Thursday. It's Wednesday right now. We'll find out on Thursday whether or not he's won six man of the year. Max, will Malcolm win that award and why or why not? Look, I think
1: it seems like a no brainer to me, but apparently, you know, Quickly has been the uh, betting favorite for the last like month and a half, like kind of seesawing with Brogdon a little bit, but you know, it, Ever since they got him, it never he was never – I think he was, like, he was among like the top four players going into the season that people were, were talking about. But they were all focused on like Christian Wood and mm-hmm. you know, Russell Westbrook got love. And it was just like, can we talk about the guy who's been a starter for – he started like every game the last four years and then just came in and sacrificed and just right away took that six-man role. And it was just, I mean, a great move by the Celtics to get him and to keep him healthy by limiting his minutes and, you know, lessening his role. And it just, it's been perfect. And, you know, to me, the quickly thing is I get it. Like he scores a lot of points, but like a lot of those points come when he's as a starter. And I mean, I get he's a six man in their rotation whatever, but Brogdon should win it. He absolutely should. Um, I legally bet money on him to win it. And (laughs) wasn't that much because I'm responsible and everyone should be too. Um, but I'll be annoyed if he doesn't win it.
0: Annoyed, all right. Uh, Justin, confirm or deny?
2: Uh, as far as I'm concerned, confirm. I'm obviously biased. The whole idea of the like, I've heard the argument that because uh, occasionally six men <clears throat> do start, that that shouldn't like discount quickly. Uh, but I mean, if we're gonna if it's a neck and neck for me, you go with a guy who is more traditionally a six-man rather than the guy who is wrecking up stuff while he's a starter. And I don't know, that seems pretty straightforward to me.
0: Yeah, quickly started 21 games. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I think Brogdon has started no games. Um an interesting twist is that Derek White, like sort of was the de facto six man, and then to your point, Justin was thrust into the starting lineup. Like a good six man uh, sometimes has to. And that, that sort of like strengthens Brogdon's case in, in a way because it more solidified him as like the six man as in the guy who comes in in reserve. Um, yeah, I, I I think annoyed is the right word insofar as Brogdon has all the bona fides. Um, if Quickly wins, you know, he comes from a big market. He's had a great season. I don't think it's a travesty, but uh, I mean... Brogdon has a really polished case. I mean, I guess it really comes down to voter uh, preference as opposed to uh, advanced analytics or anything yeah, like it's that. The, it
1: comes down to voters watched games, really, it, is what it came down to, because Brogdon was just such a steadying force. He had like four bad games all season. He was yeah. so solid. They never lost a single game because of him, and they oh, won sure. because of him. So I, it just – and we're obviously so locked in on the Celtics that we can't even imagine – but it it was just really surprising that quickly had a great like 40-point game. And it was just, oh, there goes Brogdon's chances of winning six man.
2: We actually did a straw poll at the USA today, NBA wires, and it was close, but Brogdon won by vote. So a vote.
0: A vote. Out of how, seven. Many, how many vote? Oh, of seven. Okay, that's a big chunk of, of voting then. Um <clears throat> all right, we can keep it moving. Uh just because you Know by the time some people listen to this, this will have already happened. Uh, well, I don't think we find out defensive player of the year for a few more days. Um, but Jared Jackson Jr., no, but have they had the, that that has officially been announced or it, it leaked? But it was, but maybe I'm wrong. Either way, I, we're pretty sure it's Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> I think they, they announced it, yeah. Okay, congrats to him. Um, Max, should Derek White have gotten more of a look? He didn't get a single vote.
1: Um, I think the guard, the guard. Defensive player of the year thing can only happen every like twenty five years. It um, you know, maybe he should have gotten some votes, but I think Marcus got it last year. There's a lot of people that, you know, try to use analytics to say that he shouldn't have. I I don't really care either way, whether, you know, people think it should always be a big man or a wing, but I, you know, Derek has been incredible. He'll he'll be first team all all defensive, which, you know, kind of was low key. No one was really talking about that until like really maybe even after the all-star break or maybe before uh like oh maybe that's a chance where he gets on one of those teams and now it's he's a a lock for first team he's been such an impact player on defense he's been an impact player everywhere but specifically on defense with those blocks and what's funny is that i thought he played incredibly against the warriors in the finals last year and curry just scorched him he was so good but curry was just unbelievable and hitting shots with Derek White's hand right in his face. It's like, you know, just got to tip your cap. But I remember that really kind of being an eye-opening thing. Like, man, this this guy is a, a crazy defender. Like, sure, Steph's scoring, but, like, he's there. He's there on everything. And, you know, he has – he reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, former Sixer Matisse Theibel in that just real natural chase-down instincts. Uh, you know, you think you have him beat, and he just – the he's there behind you with those long arms and – great timing and instincts and he's actually an intelligent human being unlike Matisse. So he's way better.
2: Ouch! Yeah. He's uh, also, I don't know if he's the leader in blocks for guards, but he's really like number two or three, if not the the leader. Leader. So Mm -hmm. like for me, I was actually surprised he didn't get any votes for defensive player of the year. There's usually a couple of random votes in there that don't even make any sense. So like, I I kind of figured he'd have at least one vote in there, Uh, but yeah. nothing.
0: I mean, so much of the stuff is narrative. Um, and I don't know, maybe we didn't do our job to try to you know, change the zeitgeist. Maybe that's a note for next year.
2: We were just um, trying to get him to play in the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, well, we nailed that one. The Cabal did a good job on that one. Um, also in the, the world of hardware, Jason Tatum got some votes for Clutch Player of the Year. and Fox kind of ran away with that one. Uh, I don't think there's that much to add in terms of commentary here, but Max, any thoughts on, the, on Tatum? I think he was like six or seven. Clearly, we do our homework <laughs> at this podcast. I think it was like six or seven. Yeah, he um, was in the top ten. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, it's cool that he got that. He he had a really clutch shots this year. The game winner versus Philly, uh, he had that incredible shot over. I, you know, the no one really, not enough people talk about the shot over LeBron. I think it was in the December game where the Celtics mm-hmm. kind of blew it, like they were up big, then they blew it, but then and had to fight back and then won in overtime. But hit that shot with that sick move on the baseline over LeBron. Uh, and hit that mid-range jumper and it was just like that's a moment in his career for me at least it was like it's up there with the dunk on lebron in game 7 which triggered the cavs run and they won <laughs> but <laughs> it was it was incredible it was a great moment and so yeah Tatum is clutch he's got a, look we remember a lot of the misses but boy he's got a lot of really big shots in his career and i don't i've i've never had a a, a question about him being the guy taking the last shot
0: no not at all um, Dr. Quinn, any thoughts on the clutch player award? It's new this year.
2: Well, maybe maybe Taylor would have gotten some more votes if a certain person had not thrown an absolutely colossal temper tantrum at the end of that game. That kind of you know made us think about other stuff.
0: Okay, but the Patrick Beverly thing was was the most. It was awesome. That was very very
2: very cool. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, I still I still can't. I photoshopped a,
1: a a picture of a foul onto a camera and I tweeted out, "Oh, it was a foul," and no one laughed. <laughs> Didn't get a lot of, of a lot of likes or retweets or chuckles. I was pretty disappointed.
0: Honestly, so much of uh, tweeting like comedy is timing, and there was a lot of content that night, so I wouldn't take it personally. But okay. I know the I know the pain. Um, <clears throat> I actually have a question for both of you before we get into this next little bit, and I don't mean to take the shine off the apple. Before this next little bit, we're going to talk about some new CBA rules. Um, Max, I'll go to you first uh, on television, and then Justin for print do CBA stories get a lot of attention? Like do listeners and readers like that kind of stuff or is that a dip in engagement?
1: Uh, I don't think they really, I've always been interested in them. And I there was a time where I, I even like thought, man, maybe I can really learn this stuff and be sort of like a, a resource for it. But it was it was just, it would have wasted my time because it really, the, you know, we have Chris Forsberg who's fantastic with that stuff and and he'll bring it out whenever we need it. But it just doesn't, uh, you know, and for a TV audience, it's different than a print audience because TV, you know, the viewers could change the channel. I mean, people are clicking onto the the link to read specifically about that if you're putting it on your yeah, fair. I think uh it doesn't resonate a ton because a lot it's just kind of confusing. What I always want is like just boiler point it for me. Give me the I don't necessarily need to know the why or the how. I just need to know the what. Like what does this mean specifically? for Jalen Brown this summer, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that. <laughs> and then as the, you know, the official document comes up, I usually end up downloading a PDF of it. There was a, a great resource. What was it? I think it was Larry Kuhn put. Yeah. Put,
2: CBA, you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that thing's up to date, but I used to lean on that thing. Cause you could just control F and type in a word and get to the, the answer. It was uh, back in the olden days of message boards. I could always always win my arguments with some CBA facts.
2: I've used that many a time to appear less stupid than I actually am. Uh, It's a great resource. Uh, As far as uh, print goes, it's pretty much the same. If I try to write something or aggregate something about some arcane rule that doesn't necessarily have a very obvious connection to the Celtics, no one reads that but if it's about whether or not we get to keep Jalen Brown, everyone reads it. They might not understand it, but they read it.
0: And our, our Chris Forsberg is Yasi Goslin at Hype, because he he's the one who makes us sound like we know what we're talking about. Okay, so we have some new CPA rules. We'll do a boilerplate, um, because it doesn't necessarily immediately impact the Celtics, or at least not in the most obvious of ways. So if, if this is not your cup of tea, skip ahead uh, 45 seconds. Um, Justin, I'm going to swing it to you just to explain it because I haven't done my homework here.
2: I'm still trying to absorb what kind of effects this is going to have, too. But let me, uh, let me just start with so we know about this whole Keith Smith is calling it the super tax, the second apron thing that the Celtics are most definitely going to hit. Uh, it's going to be eased in. Uh, we're not real clear on how it's going to be eased in, but I think it's about 15 million dollars or so over the tax, which the Celtics already are and are likely to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, those teams uh, are now being revealed to also not only to, we knew for a while that they wouldn't be able to have the whole seven year window to trade picks like most teams do now. Now, not only do they have only a six year window within which to trade picks, they also, well, if they hit this this second apron or super tax, whatever you want to call it, if they hit two years running in a row. Which, this is going to create some very strange maneuverings, and I can't quite wrap my head around how, <laughs> Um, if they do that two years in a row, then they for the next four years, your 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 pick is going to be the last in the first round. So it's uh-huh. unclear whether that means if you traded it away, whether it will have the value that you would have had if you hadn't done that or not. Probably not, I'm assuming. Uh and what are teams gonna do uh in terms of because like if you're if you're contending. Your, your your pick is probably going to be near the end of the first round so it's not a massive penalty
0: but like for example if the warriors get swept yes this round, exactly they're number right. one in spending and their pick will be like 20th so that's a pretty big penalty
2: yeah and then what is that going to do in terms of like rebuilding is it going to like leave them like completely destitute it's way too complex for me to really wrap my head around now so i won't try to but we'll try to get yasi or chris or someone who actually knows what they're talking about to uh, help us with this in the future uh also, in the interest now, all these things were created with the intention to keep, to let teams re-sign their own talent, but to punish you in other ways of team building. So that was like the trade-off, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why your picks become lesser as a result of this. If you continue to spend and spend and spend on your own on your own guys, uh, I won't get into all the other things. Uh, we've had some some discussion of them in previous pods. If you want to look at them, there's also lots of discussion out there. Uh, but the full MLE and uh, room exception go up for non-tax teams as kind of like a trade-off to give to the other teams to compete against you. Uh, and then there's some other stuff that's not related specifically to team building uh, as much, like Exhibit 10 deals, which are those like, hey, why don't you join our summer uh, squad kind of deals? Those go up to 75000 from 50000 And then we also learned that the 65-game limit for rewards has a little bit of wiggle room, uh, you have got to play at least twenty minutes for those games to count. So that was one of the big critiques, saying, "Well, we might just see people check in for thirty seconds until the next foul, et cetera. So it seems they thought of that. Uh, and then also, if you get like a season-ending injury uh, with sixty-two games played, they'll they'll let you be eligible for those awards. So they they did a little bit of tweaking.
0: It's so weird that it's three and not five. Or like, mm-hmm. what a weird, very small wiggle room. Um, quickly to wrap up the news. I'll just say that Udoka is is being interviewed by the Rockets on Thursday, and Sam Cassell might be in the mix. um I guess does anyone have thoughts on that? I, I don't particularly quite frankly, I don't particularly care. Uh, For being perfectly honest, uh, Max, right, any Nick, thoughts where,
2: there? Nick
1: Nurse is going to Houston. I thought I'd heard. Uh um, that too? Either way, I don't know. Wh- why a good coach would go there um if they
0: had choices other places and i well, think well max it's-, it's to coach james harden next season obviously well
1: is that <laughs> does that make it better
2: i'm not I'm sure, sure. Of course not it makes it worse <laughs> it really
1: it's it's you know get the interview if you're email uh if you want to get back in it you know get in the mix here you know get through the the period that's going to happen where the fan base might have some outcry about um you know, his character or whatever. Again, we really still don't know the exact details of what happened. It's clear, serious enough for the Celtics to suspend him for a year and, and move on from him. Um, so, but, you know, that may be more, I guess, an interesting point could be maybe some more stuff comes out. We learn a little bit more about it. We'll hear from him for the first time at some point uh, this summer. And, yeah, that'll be that. Maybe a little bit more closure there. Um, as far as a coach was, I thought he was great. I thought he was great for this specific team. You know, when I, everyone jokes about, you know, if the Sixers lose in the second round, they're going to fire Doc and bring in Ime. I don't think he's a great fit there. I really don't. I think he's no. a good fit with a team that has kind of gotten stale with their the voice of their coach and needs a kick in the ass, to be honest. They need a guy that will specifically call them out in the media. Well, you know, it shouldn't really matter if your coach is mean in the media, but it seems to, like – it worked for the, this team. And and he, he pushed them over the hump. He coached them away that Brad didn't. And honestly that Joe doesn't, uh, he was tougher on them, but they respected him. And, you know, there's a balance there and I could see that maybe wearing off on people. Like it looks, maybe it it has worn off with Nick nurse in Toronto. So we'll see. I mean, there's, there's some really good coaches out there. So I, I don't know what all the opportunities are going to be, but Houston would not be high on my list.
2: Yeah, I think he's a terrible fit for that. And to your point about Nick Nurse being potential fit for the Rockets, I actually think Kudoka, for the reasons you described, might be a good fit for Toronto. I mean, I know they're going to probably do some retooling on that roster as well, but there there is some moribund uh, atmosphere, you know, swirling around that club, so it might be good for them. And
1: that scares me. Eme uh, could maybe level them up a bit, but we'll see. You know, he also had Will Hardy and Joe Missoula and Damon Stoudemire, a lot of guys on his staff. Um, so, and you know, we'll never know exactly how important he was specifically to the turnaround that the Celtics had, but it is the idea of of uh, you know Ime being you know that roster that Toronto has, and obviously Masai is just incredible. So that should frighten us.
0: I don't know. I I think I think your point. There's like a ton of talented coaches out there with res- like with respect to people who are trying to right their wrongs in life. I just, I don't know if email is worth the baggage, even if it's a week of bad PR, there's just so many other guys uh, looking for a job or or what have you. And the Rockets, it just, it's a weird fit. I don't know. Um, let us pause the action and talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Grand Slams, no hitters and double plays are back and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official partner of Major League Baseball. And new customers in mass can get in on the actual $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at fanduel.com slash Boston. Finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. Last time we talked, we decided that the Red Sox season was over and Alex Verdugo probably listened to me. So that's not true. The Red Sox season is back on. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to announce that the Red Sox are once again competing for a, a pennant and a title. And um, if you're someone who likes to wager on baseball, uh, you should probably just not listen to me. But maybe put all your money on the Red Sox. Max, quickly, what is the state of the union with the Phillies? Because I know that's your cup of tea. Uh,
1: they they've had a pretty pretty meh start. They were like I think they started the season 0 for 4, or 0 for 5. Uh, Bryce is hurt, or he, you know he he had surgery. I think it I don't know if it was Tommy John, but Tommy John or Tommy John like surgery in the off season so they knew he was going to be out uh i think for the first you know few months at least you know they said you know like to get him before the all-star break so that's not great but they're hitting well i look at the box scores i haven't watched uh, a single second of the games or maybe like the first week i watched a little bit but uh, i like the new rules in baseball it's fun it's fast and uh once basketball season's over maybe i'll care a little bit about it fair enough and for what
0: it's worth at fanduel they have helpful lines and all that sort of stuff. So even if you're following with, you know, the GameCast app, you can kind of bet with a little bit of confidence. And you can be confident that this app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit fanduel.com boston Boston. Make every moment more. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. You must be 21 and older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required and a bonus bet is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Gambling Helpline, ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Gamesense.ma.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay, let's hop into the Celtics lab and let's talk about this Hawks series. And we felt good about burying this lead because the Celtics seem like they've got this one in the bag. Last night, Boston won one nineteen to one oh six. It probably wasn't realistically as close as all that. Although this, I think, the theme of the series is occasionally the Hawks are going to go on some runs. Uh, Max, would you like out of the first two games off the jump, and then we'll get into the minutia?
1: Um, I you know they've they've withstood and not let the the darkness creep in too much. Because I think the only real- Oh that was
2: so heavy. <laughs> I love it.
1: Well, you know, that's how I think about it. Like, it, it it's, people get mad at me. They think I tweet too negatively, but it's like, I'm an emotional tweeter. And mm-hmm. the expectations for this team after last, last season and after the start that they had just really went up. And so when, you know, November was just like, you know, October and November was like, it was just beautiful it was just incredible I couldn't like I I really had to convince myself that this was the greatest offense ever and then you know they, they normalized and then there were just some patches of just just taking their foot off the gas and stuff that didn't happen the year before like they showed fight even in the beginning of the season last year where they wouldn't necessarily come back and win but they would fight back and this year just there was games where you could just, you just knew you knew in the first quarter that they were going to lose to a team that they shouldn't just by their body language. And, and that's where, you know, you worry about the coaching and sure. It's all way overblown because we're in it for every game and it's all we're looking at. And you take a step back, you're like, they're, yeah they have 57 wins. What are we, what are we arguing about here? And your second, you know, number two, offensive rating, number two defensive rating in the entire league. So they're in the elite of the elite but uh, you know just to see that creep in a little bit in game one in the third quarter in game two also in the third quarter uh second i think it was the second half of the third quarter just but to see them kind of just write the ship and mm-hmm. and handle it, and it's it's good to see and it's what we expect but i remember uh, i can't remember which dark patch it was it was the most recent one that they've been really good since but I was talking to one of my coworkers. I'm like, what happens if they play the Hawks in the first round? Like, I literally said that. I'm like, like, are we sure they're going to, like, respect them enough to, like, play good? Wow, you were in the dark Uh, place for sure. Right. Well, That
2: kind of was, too, for a second.
1: To me, it was just that that you don't see them, you know, you don't see, see these elite championship teams have games like that, you know, like that Celtics had, like, six of them this year you know, like the Thunder game, you know, the first Utah game where you just like little things just turn into big disappointment. and, And, but it just, again, it's human nature. They know the fight that there is, is in the playoffs. And so as much as they want to, to fight every game in the regular season, subconsciously, you just can't force yourself to do it when you know what's coming. It's this long grind of a playoffs so it's great to see them, you know, get punched and punch back. So that's been the most encouraging thing. And you know, everyone's playing good, but you know, I, the Jays, I feel like have just levels ahead, and you know, they have not played bad, but they just have levels, like several levels that I've seen them in the playoffs perform at. That it, it, if they need it, they can get to.
2: It does seem like they are kind of, once going through the motions, but conserving, and it seems that. Ever since the playoffs started, uh, collectively, they have been conserving that energy less, but they still have not really unleashed the full brunt of what they can do on a, on a basketball court, which I think is kind of evident in what we've seen uh, with those like slip ups. It's not really slip ups of inability, they're slip ups of we don't care, kind of, right? So I'm actually pretty excited to get to the next series. Uh, I hope they don't share my uh, perspective because we might be looking at more than four games in the series uh, with the Game shifting to Atlanta for the next two games. Hopefully that does not happen.
0: Yeah, before we dial into player-specific stuff, I guess I have two thoughts. The first is I'm I'm kind of fine with where they're at because I do think it, it's such a long haul to get to the finals that, you know, you don't want to run out of all of your emotional ammo too early. And so, so long as they're winning games, I don't want them to strap in too early because that just like... It's so taxing to do that. I'm like, if you look at the Suns and how emotional and physical and how many minutes their best players are playing, like if they're going to get out of that first round, that's going to cost them a lot. And so it's not worth, you know, letting this Hawks series go six or seven games. But if the proof is in the pudding and they're still winning handily, I'm I'm fine with that if they can turn it on the next series. Uh, But I'll eat my words if they, you know, blow the first game against Philly in a bad way. Um, I'm also really impressed by how few threes they're shooting or how uh, minimally three point shooting is predicated on their success i mean they are just taking it to the hawks at the rim in such a, a strong way uh, last night atlanta got a little bit of the better of them on the boards specifically on offensive glass atlanta won that that, that battle 90 to 5 so that wasn't good but the extent to which all of boston's players can really get to the rim if or when they need it is a really fascinating pivot um, considering how, how much we bemoaned Missoula ball. Missoula took one look at what the Hawks were giving him and said, okay, let's do it differently. And I'm really fascinated by that.
2: Yeah. There was a point where the Hawks were really laying it on and looking like they might make a game of it. And the Celtics were only shooting about 30% from the three point line. Uh, And I made a comment to that, uh, uh, that end that, all the complaints about bad Missoula ball, what, what people should be doing for the Celtics when when the shots aren't falling, that that was exactly what they should be doing. So I was actually really, as, as weird as it is to say that I, I was very happy to see what was happening in the first half, uh, given the score, uh, how they dug out of that hole was incredibly impressive. And I think something that it can really build on when they when they inevitably find their three-point variance, not kind of abandoning them.
1: I think also it was very clear last night in game two that they, you know, on the whiteboard in the locker room, he'd rob the ball. They were just finding him in the paint. It wasn't just lobs. It was let's throw it to the big guy down low and just have him score, which is not what they do with him. It's just really not. I I just – he's really looked good. I know we're going to do player stuff later, but, boy, uh, that really was just shocking. It was like to the point where it was like, wow, this is like clearly – they've been told like, Rob can score, throw him the ball down low. Like, it's just not, you know, it's a nice little wrinkle and it makes it, it's really exciting to see what other wrinkles they have uh, in their back pocket.
0: Sure. Let's pause the action again and talk about our friends over at BetterHelp. And then we will get into those player specific questions we have. And BetterHelp is an online service that connects you with a therapist in a convenient way that uh, starts with a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and importantly, you can switch at any time. And the whole aim here is that it's convenient, flexible, and it suits your schedule. The hope being that it makes therapy as accessible as possible. And the theme of our ad reads for this has been you know, breaking down stigmas and, and making sure that people understand what therapy is and isn't. And I wanna shout out Jared Zero, uh, who is a contributor for Celtics blog, I don't know his last name, but I've met him a few times, he's a very nice person. And today he was tweeting about uh, mental health stuff and he was just encouraging people to, to offer uh, stories or advice or ideas. And I just really appreciate people who take mental health and put it right in the, the spotlight because uh, again, the stigma it persists and questions persist and seeking mental health treatment or using a service like BetterHelp to help you grow, to help you think out loud. Uh, is a really common tool and probably more common than I think some people think. So once again, we're really happy to have BetterHelp as a supporter here on the podcast. And we encourage you to sign up today and discover your potential. Visit betterhelp.com slash SeltLab today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash SeltLab. All right, Max. Also, uh, Earth Day, April 22nd. Max, wonderful shirt for the YouTube crowd. There you go. There's no planet B. What is it? Hashtag science matters. matters. Yep. (laughs) I think you have um, a full panel of agreement here at the Celtics Lab podcast. Um, Happy Earth Day to all who celebrate. If you don't celebrate, what is your deal? Anyways.
1: What planet do you live on if you don't celebrate?
0: Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe we're big in Mars. We don't know. I haven't looked at the data. Jalen Brown has been playing very, very well. He has been honoring Bill Russell. I don't want to reduce Jalen Brown's storyline to the following. I want to shout out how great a contributor he's been. His stitches in his hand scare me. Max, are you nervous about his hand? Yeah,
1: a little bit. I am. The The turnover monster seems to have come back a bit, and it's hard not to look at the fresh wound that randomly <laughs> happened a week before the freaking playoffs, but that said, he's been, you know, from breaking his face, you know, and just it, nothing really has fazed him. And if it, uh, if he can still score, which he can, great. Uh, I worry about, you know, you know. Hopefully, it's something that if it is the cut that's that's causing it, you know, the turnovers. I know he was grabbing at his hand, but I know that I wasn't. I didn't go back and analyze it, but Eddie House on the postgame show said he thought it was his left hand that he was grabbing at which is a little bit concerning but it's not the right hand then i don't know i it's hard for us because they're in an nba game on an nba court with nba you know people mopping up the floor and everything but I, when i think of having a cut on my hand and playing basketball it's just all i think about is all the dirt that's going to get in my cut give me an infection mm-hmm. i know that they're all on top of that stuff but it just it's a tough thing to happen but i'm not overly concerned because again i mean cuts heel and as long as he you know is taking it easy in the off days hopefully he's not splitting it open too bad when he plays like i think he said he split it open in game one but you know we'll see hopefully hopefully it gets better but i'm not overly concerned but it's definitely more concerned than i should be because why did he cut his hand
2: he was watering his plants
1: I mean, to have a tweet like that and then
0: two months later. Yeah, that's out of control. <laughs>
2: it's gorgeous. Gorgeous interneting.
0: Justin, um, what's your level of concern?
2: Less than it was. Uh, I mean, i tweeted that if they wanted to sit him for game two, he would have most of a week to let that heal. Uh it seems to me that it wasn't serious enough. He didn't need any more stitches, which is a pretty big sign. Uh, if, he, if he needed more stitches, then it would have been a really big deal, I think. So it looks like they dodged a bullet, and there might even be a little bit of a fringe benefit that Derek White is being used, kind of how Jalen has been used, and, and he's kind of playing more like a, a forward who doesn't really like have the ball as much, a more of a catch-and-shoot player, which I think not necessarily the best role for Jalen, but as as Max was saying, as long as he keeps scoring... Uh, If it gives them a new wrinkle they can deploy at some other point when, you know, nobody's really expecting them to do that, then I think it's beneficial. It also doesn't really give you a a good hard look for the next round of how the Celtics would like to play. I think we remember the last game, they played against the 76ers. I'm assuming like a complete genius that the 76ers are going to be emerging out of the next round. Uh, They didn't play the 76ers in the last game of the regular season with the normal coverage of Embiid, which uh, did not go well, but I mean, that was also almost certainly intentional. So there might be a couple of small fringe benefits from this. Uh, and just the fact that Jalen is not needing more stitches and an extended period to recuperate from that, I think is a really good outcome for what could have been a really, really bad repeating nightmare. If you guys remember him falling uh, and needing uh, that that tendon surgery, I think it was two seasons ago. So yeah, uh, you none know of that please.
1: That's gentlemen sweet.
0: <laughs> oh, how sweet it was. Um, I believe it was five stitches and I believe it's on the side of his finger they're not being particularly forthright in post game. So I don't know more than the general public. Um, but I do believe that those are the facts. And if you look down at your own fingers, while you're listening to this, I assume Jalen Brown's fingers are like twice as big as yours. So that's a re- relatively small cut on the side of his finger. It's really just upon contact where I think it's problematic. That said, he plays a contact sport, so I don't know if, unless the Celtics, you know, get out of the series early and they get four or five days off, how much time I'll have to heal. But, yeah, my level of concern is not nothing, uh, but I trust the team. I, I mean, the team has been kind of snake bitten by underestimating injuries recently enough that I don't think that they would overplay their hand in the first round here. <laughs> yeah, Justin's gesturing to get off the segment before he jinx it. Uh, we talked about Derek White. He was next on our notes. We just have Derek has been amazing. Um, I, I don't think we need to add to that, but Max, anything else you want to say about Derek White? I love him. I love him so much.
1: He uh he's been <sighs> player on the team. It really has just been I love watch I think about him when I'm shooting hoops by myself at the gym. I just think about Derek White, a little bit of Malcolm Brogdon. You know, I they're just I Derek White, his floater is my favorite shot in the game right now. It really is just um, I just love his quick decisions. He's so solid. In, mm-hmm. And it's what like really optimized them in the beginning of the season was they had a Brogdon, they had a confident Derek White, Marcus was on his game, and the Jays are the Jays. And they just had just intelligent, smart decision makers all the way down until you got to grant. <laughs> you know, that's like it was just like every person you went to you could trust to make the right decision, you know, nine out of 10 times. And Derek white is that guy. You know, I had looked at it at one point, he just said that the exact same amount of passes received as passes made, which to me like, you know, you want guys like Tatum to be like receiving the ball more than shooting or you know, than passing it and stuff like that. But Derek white just, and he knows when to pick his spots. Uh, he's been picking it more because of Jalen. It's a great point that you made about, you know, with Jalen maybe not being 100%, Derek White's taking that role, and he's been phenomenal. He's been so good and a confident, phenomenal Derek White is just an absolute game changer. And I love him, and I'm glad he's on the team. And everyone that was worried about 2028 pick swap, well, I don't think you have to worry anymore. Because, you know, we don't even know if there's going to be a planet in 2028.
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that other than he's just he's a great interview. Uh, he's he doesn't give those canned answers like sometimes they kind of sound canned but like if you, if you keep talking to him he gets in some pretty interesting stuff in a ways a lot of players on the Celtics and you know in the NBA in general don't necessarily do. And then on the court yeah I, I don't think we can sing his praises enough. Uh, I won't won't beat the horse to death, but uh, I'm very, very happy that that trade ended up happening because uh, from what I'm seeing from Dejounte Murray, uh, sorry, Mexico over here, uh, Dejounte Murray uh, with the Hawks, (laughs) I know part of it is fit, right? Is definitely not the the best way for him to be being used, but in terms of just what I'm seeing on both ends of the court, I really think they got the better player, particularly when you factor in the cost of each uh, trading them away from the Spurs.
0: Yeah, I, I, and they were both players that we had talked about at previous trade deadlines. Um, yeah, the, the the interesting thing with Derek, and we'll keep it moving, is that if Boston's going to win the title, it's going to be either because Jason Tatum is the best player on the court 75 to 90% of the time, or because they play and with. Tim Duncan was, you know, seventy percent. Um, so I am just so impressed by what Derek White does as an individual, but like what he means for how the team can play is really, really important because I think Jason Tatum can play as the best player in a final series or something like that. But just in case he can't or doesn't or gets injured, Boston has another path to the finals. And for the YouTube crowd, Justin was frozen by how captivating that thought was. Um, Let's talk about Rob, who has been quite good or Atlanta has been quite bad or both, I guess. Actually, that'll be my question to you, Max. Has Rob been very, very good or has Atlanta been very, very bad at the rim?
1: Uh, You know, maybe a little bit of both, but Rob, Rob looks great, man. Oh, it's just so nice to see. And what I love about Rob and what, when he came back, even when he was just still working himself back in, back in December, just the offense, like they move faster when he's out there. And it's because, and this is my theory that they're they have to be paying attention because he'll hit you right in the face with a pass. Yeah. He does not hold the ball. He had, Velcro on his hands last game. It felt like just the ball, just like, just like, he just could palm it. He could grab it out of the air and then he just flings that thing at you. And you better be paying attention. There's one point Marcus almost uh, wasn't ready. and just had to like run after the ball. Cause Rob just got it and just threw it to him. And, you know, Embiid, it reminds me a little bit. Embiid was like that uh, early in his career too, uh, but way more careless. Like it looks careless with Rob, but it's not. He's just that good, special brain boy. He has got great instincts and he's a great passer and he's just darting that thing around. Uh when he gets it, you better be ready. And so I thought that they kind of just really started playing a little quicker, a little more focused when he came back. And when he's when he's healthy like this, he's just he's just a game changer on both ends. He really is. So he looks great. I mean, the Hawks are you know, they're NBA they're an NBA team. But uh they're not that good is what I'm trying to say. And they really don't have you know capella's fine capella was good in the play-in but um maybe maybe a different series they would be doing a little bit better but it's not a great matchup for them
2: no uh capella getting pulled to the three-point line when they were using the double big lineup and getting al out there uh i think that was something that they didn't experiment with for very long uh but the double big lineup actually working in the series was kind of a surprise as well the, uh, I don't know what to call it, I guess, the block rebound pass that Rob did in game one, all kind of in one motion. Like, for me, that was the the game of all of the, of the game, the the play of all of the playoffs so far. I have not seen anything more impressive that anyone has done, at least that is positive. Uh, we could talk about some of the not so positive stuff uh, a little bit later on.
0: Sure. And also, apologies, I haven't been quick enough for the mute button. If I've coughed in people's ears, I really I really do apologize. Yeah, Max, of all the NBA teams, the Hawks are one of them. I mean, it's not it's not a beast that they're slaying here, but I don't know. The way that they're finding Rob inside is impeccable. I, I mean, he is making just really great reads, and, and Justin, to your point, they're not matching him up very well. They're kind of refusing to go big, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I think our expectation and hope was for Rob to arrive at the playoffs, given his injury and conditioning woes this season and before that. But man, if this is the version of Rob that is going to be here for the playoffs, look out. Uh, It is, it's just a joy to watch. It's really fun basketball. Um, Grant Williams has not been playing. Joe Mizzoula said he likes the matchups that they're getting and he probably isn't anticipating changing the rotation. Any thoughts on that? I mean, he's not playing, so you might not (laughs) have that much to say.
1: Yeah, I'll say like, it's interesting that you're not you know finding a way to get him in and I, look you got to win the games and they can't really gripe about it but he you just got to make sure you're solid with him that he knows you know there's gonna he's absolutely gonna be needed in the playoffs and I was really disappointed with Grant this year I just thought it was so obvious because of the contract thing he was just trying too hard like yeah you will make the money that you want to make if you just do what you did last year, which was catch the ball, shoot the ball. If you want to add a little pump fake, great, but still shoot. Don't dribble and don't attack the basket because you're really bad at that. And I appreciate trying new things. It's just, you weren't good enough this year to do it. And it cost the team several times. And I'm not worried about, uh, the mistake at the end of the game versus Utah or the missed free throws, things like, you know, those things happen. It's the consistently pump faking in the corner and trying to dribble and spin and turn the ball over. And like, every time he made it, I'm like, this is the worst thing that could happen is that he made that because now he thinks he can do it. And just like anybody at that level can do something good at some point, but you shouldn't do that. So I was really disappointed with Grant. I was, you know, and I, they, he was the one guy that it did seem like was getting benched for stuff this year or DMPs and things like that. So maybe Joe is having lots of conversations with him and grants just not really complying, which seems weird. Um, He's a smart guy, you know, his, but like my opinion about him, you know, in terms of the decision-making was before he was really doing this dumb stuff this year. Like he just has one or two boneheaded plays, you know, even last year. But it was fine because he's hitting the, all those threes in the corner, and I just feel like he just decided not to do that thing that will make him, you know, eighteen million dollars a year if you just do that thing. Um, so I hope that they find a way to get him in here, and or at least that he's rock solid, that they know that he he's accepted the you know that the, the locker room's good, that you know Blake is the same thing. Blake's like, yeah, I'm, how many times I've been in the All Star game? I jumped over a car. Uh, and all these commercials, Hollywood guy, and I'm sitting here on the bench too. So hopefully they're all good with it. And they got their, their eyes on the prize. Cause look, if they play Milwaukee, they're going to need Grant.
2: His body language has been pretty good so far in the series. I do think we might see him if, uh, the Hawks keep this like micro ball experiment of theirs going that was kind of working in the second half of game two. But apart from that, if that doesn't happen, I don't expect to see him until at least Philadelphia because he, he's, he's he's a good option for mixing it up with Embiid in terms of coverage. But yeah, that that putting it on the floor thing in particular uh, is my second worst complaint of his because it became so predictable. And because he's not really actually good at it, he was very easy to game plan whenever he did it. And so he just started looking really, really bad when he was really, really needed. But the, the number one thing... Uh, and I think this might be you know related to him being benched as much as anyone because it can be contagious, particularly with Jason Tatum, and I think you probably know where I'm going with this is the complaining to the referees. He has been in the league long enough to know by now that he's not getting calls, not just because the refs missed them, but because he complains so much they are never going to give him a call until he stops complaining for a while. So I hope this resets the clock for him because, honestly, that is the most frustrating thing and the thing that's the most under his control. Like I know he's a a super fierce competitor, but eventually if pulling that lever never freaking works, you find another lever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree with your point that he's been a good sport in the postseason. I mean, when Malcolm Brogdon hit that half court shot, Graham was the first guy off the bench. I mean, I think he's rooting for his teammates and loving, loving that. Um, it would be nice to get him some burn and let him feel himself out. I I think he's a little younger than we, I think we took him for granted a little bit last year. No pun intended. I mean, he's That's just
1: granted.
0: Yeah, no, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about this the whole time that you guys were talking. Um, But truly I think that he played the he had the postseason of his life. I mean, he's 24, 25. I mean, he played better than his age and his contract last year. And I think that that screwed with his psyche a little bit and Maybe this long season, and we talked about this a few podcasts ago. He had that funny tweet. I mean, I think he's he understands where he's at, hopefully, and maybe now that the the playoffs are on the line, he'll kind of fit his role a little more um because I'm not gonna pile on, but it's not like I like when he puts it on the floor either. all right, max, we we said we'd get you out of here uh, by six. so let's breeze through this last stuff because when. Talking about complaining to the refs, I, I need to talk about Draymond for at least 30 seconds, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, but to just put a wrap on Celtics-Hawks, and then we'll look at the league writ large. Pretend that this is the Hawks lab. How does Atlanta win a game here, Max?
1: Um, I, Trey needs to be better. Uh, better shot selection. They need to play good with him on the floor. It seems like the runs that they go on He's when he's on the bench. I don't, I don't get it. He's good. He's really talented, but boy, you just hear a lot of grumblings that he's just not fun to play with. That he doesn't really change what he does. He's just, you're just not Dame, dude. You can't be taking those. Sh- Damian Lillard and Steph Curry are the only ones that can take those shots. You don't hit high enough percentage. It's math, man. It's not like, yeah, it really. It's just, it's frustrating because he's he's a great player. He's a great talent. He's a great villain for the league. Like when he beat the Knicks. Uh, you know, I'm obviously a little bit scarred for when he beat the Sixers, but uh, we, we blame a different player for that. We don't blame Trey. We blame Kevin Herter. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's Ben Simmons, obviously. But, um, you know, I think it better Trey, really. That's, that's really all they have because the Celtics are so deep. You know, they're doubling Tatum. You know, he gets rid of the ball, you know, and there's like eight other guys on the floor for the Celtics that can do stuff. So it really... That's basically it. And maybe hope to catch them on a night where they kind of, you know, because again, this is my worry about playing a team like the Hawks. Like when you go up to nothing, do you have that killer instinct? Do you have to choke them out? Put your foot on the throat um, and just end this because it would be great to have all those extra days off, like get that mentality in there. Uh, and I think they will. So I don't think if I were uh, on the Hawks lab, I'd have much hope because I did see a bunch of Hawks fans before the uh, series with some pretty outlandish thoughts about who would cover John Collins on the Celtics and DeAndre Hunter. They said that the Celtics don't have anybody that could. Um, So they weren't really in a reality-based world.
2: I don't think there is a path for them to win because if they can replicate what they did in the second half of game two – On their own home court with a rabid fan base that doesn't exist in Atlanta uh yelling to pump them up then maybe they could win a home game but at this point uh mister i picked the celtics in six uh, is leaning very hard towards a sweep
0: i also picked the celtics in six um i would ask i mean we just thought a the hawks could steal one at home and then b the celtics would be asleep at the wheel for one but so far doesn't seem like it, but it's only been two games. Series doesn't start till uh road team wins or whatever, or home team loses, I guess, depending on if you would be an optimist or a pessimist. Um, play DeJounte Murray more without Trey. Stagger them in like kind of a way that's embarrassing to Trey because the Celtics will hunt the hell out of him on defense. And DeJounte is just faster and bigger. And he, Justin, to your point, he's not being used correctly in this Hawks offense, but he could be. I mean, honestly, if you just removed Trey, I think the Hawks, the whole uh, minutiae kind of works a little a little more.
2: Trey may be removed uh, at the end of the season, but that is for the Hawks lab, so uh, let's continue.
0: All righty, let's do this quickly. Let's do Draymond, and then we can shout out our favorite series, or we can just check in with the, the Sixers, but I want to honor your time, Max. So, um, the Draymond suspension, should it have happened? Max, you get to go first.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been like up in arms if he didn't get suspended, but I definitely thought he should because, you know, it's a track record. It's not, you know, they've done this before where, you know, previous incidents come into account and he's got a track record of questionable plays. And I'm sorry. I mean, Sabonis, yeah, the gamesmanship, he wasn't, he didn't twist his ankle. And as soon as, like, I mean, it's also the optics of you just stomped on a guy and he's hurt. Like, He's on the ground in pain being looked at by trainers and you're up on a chair taunting the fan base column, you know, you know, very clearly seeing the swears coming out of your mouth on TV picked up a couple on TNT the league didn't like that and they shouldn't have, Uh, you know, there's a place in the game for villains there's a place for hard fouls all that stuff. I'm not you know, calling for him to be ejected from the league forever but the it's a fair i think it's a fair suspension he's got a you know he's really hard to like they Draymond does not do himself favors and the when it came out that he he had requested a x-ray on his ankle so it wasn't like they've x-ray is that real him. yeah they, it was the night of the game right after it came out that uh Sabonis was getting x-rays you know clearly You know, you can see the I'm not going to name names, but you can see the where a clutch is uh, feeding their information to when that stuff's coming out. It's like, I mean, and then like when the wording is when he stepped on him, no, he stomped on him. He purposely stomped on him. It wasn't, you know, that violent of an act, but it could have seriously injured him. So I think he deserved to get suspended. And like you, uh, I think I'm a little tired of his act. It's, It's pretty
2: frustrating easier to break ribs than I think people realize.
0: Why do you know that? <laughs> because I broke a rib. <laughs> <Not fair. laughs> Coughing,
2: speaking of. Fair enough.
0: Um, I, I, Max, I agree 100%. I'm so, I'm so annoyed with how much play this has gotten on television and on Twitter and everything else. Obviously, he should have been suspended. There's, there's no conversation here. He stepped on a colleague's chest, and then he antagonized the league in person, and then again on social media. It's not rocket science. He should have been suspended. It makes sense that he was suspended. To your point, he doesn't need to be suspended. 500 games, he doesn't need to be kicked out of the league. He did something wrong. He was chesty about it. He deserved the suspension. The pearl clutching that has been going on about this is unbelievable. Um, and it's really, frankly, not that big of a deal because the Warriors are going to get swept or lose in five anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, Speaking of which, Max, I suspect the Sixers are moving on to the second round, so we'll get you ahead of here on this. What is your prediction for an eventual Sixers-Celtics matchup?
1: I mean, look, I've said this every time anyone's ever asked me. Until the Sixers beat the Celtics, I mean, why wouldn't I pick the Celtics? It's, you know, the... The last game where the you know it took like a historic performance from Joel Embiid that like him and Wilt Chamberlain are the only players (laughs) that scored 50 on that efficiency or whatever it was. I forget the stat, but it was like insane what he did. And the Celtics were missing several of their starters. Um, to me, it was just you know, the Celtics know how to play that team, they have smart, intelligent defenders. The trick is just don't foul Embiid, just don't foul him if you're gonna double be strategic about it when you're going to do it because he's getting really good at finding guys, um, especially versus the Nets. You know, he's not scoring a ton. He's just, he's just making the right play. He's smart. He wants to win. I love him. He's my favorite player, but you know, I just don't, I don't see how, you know, and they also got those PJ Tucker shots, which as a Sixers fan. I can tell you have not been there a lot this year, but you know, you don't want to leave that guy open in the corner. So I think that I would pick the Celtics to win that series. Um, I just don't, you know, this, the Sixers are good. I I love Tyrese Maxey, but he's never played good against the Celtics. I don't think, and maybe I'm forgetting a game, but I know as, you know, involved in pregame production, I'm always, you know, pitching a, a type. We got to talk about Tyrese Maxey. We got about Tyrese Maxey. Everyone's like, really? I'm like, yeah, trust me, we do. And then he has a dud and everyone's like, why do we talk about Tyrese Maxey? But um, it's Doc's fault. Not really good.
2: What? That's Doc's fault, not his. He doesn't use him like he doesn't. He doesn't like, use him in a way that complements his game. Uh, I'm continuously surprised by that, but I'm not going to complain about it. Well, I tell you, Tyrese
1: is also young too. Like he, the the thing that um that comes with these guys with age and experience is consistency. He just doesn't have it. He has games. Like I was watching the game the other night, and I knew right away that he was on one. So I went on, you know, my app and I, I got his over and I won that bet <laughs> because the books were slow because they don't watch the games like that. They look at the math and all that stuff. But to me, it's like you can tell early when he's going to have a game and you could see in that game that he was on it. You know, his threes were going in and, and he was being aggressive and Harden didn't have it. And, and it was Tyrese's game. So, you know, I. I could. You know if I had to pick between which the, which series the Celtics Hawks or the the Nets Sixers would go five or six I guess I would do the Sixers just because it's the Sixers but I still don't I think it's probably it's likely a sweep or a gentleman sweep in both series
0: yeah both teams are up too at this point um... Uh, to the benefit of rest, I hope they wrap it up quickly and other series go a little bit longer. But let's not get over our skis completely here. Um, so we'll pause. I'll remind everyone that this episode of the Celtics that podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. I want to say thank you to Max Letterman of NBC Sports Boston. I want to say thank you to the people who make generic allergy medicine. Uh, I want to say thank you to the listeners, to Justin, and uh, everyone else, Max. With pleasure. Thank you very, very much.
1: Thanks, guys. Love coming on.
0: Yeah, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks, everyone. Adios. See
0: you guys.